I'm Jean Wilcox, and you are listening to Shaklesiology, Girls Talk in Church. Tell your girls a story, I won't tell you a lie. Anything you want, you can do it just fine. Come on. I'm here today with the She Team. Besides myself, we are Kim Ho, Jennifer Johnson, Christian Swartley. Perfect. I will paste that together. <laughs> <laughs> We're killing it. What we nailed it, ladies. I thought about saying, "Are we? Should, what order do you want to go in?" And I was just like, "Yeah, it'll it'll be fine." <laughs> and it was. Here we are. And it, it is. Fine. I yeah. mean, I, I will cut and paste. Today we're talking about Mother's Day and the annual celebration we hold at our churches that has now become or perhaps always been problematic for some women and maybe even for some men as well. Before the four of us settled on doing a Mother's Day episode, we agreed that it would definitely fall into the category of a genre of disruption, meaning our conversation will intentionally seek to disrupt the accepted norms and behaviors of how the church celebrates Mother's Day. This is the anti-donut ministry at its finest. However, while in the spirit of deconstructing the current state of Mother's Day, we want to finish up the episode with a bit of reconstruction, talk about how the church can honor the vocation of motherhood first as partnering with God and God's work in the world, and also motherhood as a journey to holiness that sanctifies through sacrificial and selfless service, particularly to the little people entrusted to them. So that's where we're going today. I'm going to start with a quote uh, as we talk about this idea of disruption and how we might approach Mother's Day at church uh, slightly differently. So here's a quote from Leighton E. Williams. She writes in a Sojourners article about Mother's Day and gives us some tips. So this is what she says. There has been an increasing amount of talk in recent years about the layers of Mother's Day. While it is a joyful opportunity to celebrate wonderful mothers and mother figures in our lives, it can be exceptionally painful for those who have lost their mothers or have had difficult relationships with them. Those who have lost children or cannot have children and those actively struggling with infertility. It is so important to recognize these realities, but it's almost important to know that for many people, their experiences don't fall neatly into one of those categories. So let's start there. I think that is really the crux of the current conversation uh, that some of the churches that are challenging the celebration of Mother's Day. Are we being overly sensitive uh, about this topic or is it really worth the wrestling with uh, in the process? Any thoughts, ladies? I think it absolutely is worth wrestling with. I mean, I've heard I have heard the comments can't we just have a day to celebrate mothers and motherhood and not have to be politically correct about all the people who it upsets? Mm -hmm. Um, Because no matter what you do, somebody's going to be upset about something. So I have heard that. However, even as a biological mother myself with two children, part of my experience was that my firstborn child was only about one year old when I lost my own mother. And so that first Mother's Day was quite difficult. It was filled with both joy and sadness. And I have to say, too, I had some misgivings about motherhood because I did not feel like I fit the 
good Christian mom package. I'm not crafty. Mm -hmm. I actually find crafts really annoying and I feel like I fail at them 90% of the time. So please don't ask me to do crafts. Um, I did not want to be a stay at home mom for a majority of my kids' lives. I wanted them to see me involved in the world. And I knew for my own mental health, I needed to be involved in Mm -hmm. something beyond the home. Um, because I just felt as soon as I had a baby, I felt like my world just went and got really, really tiny. And that to me felt, felt like part of me was dying. Yeah. So I had all these misgivings about what motherhood can and should look like. And then I lost my mom. And so, yeah, that first mother's day Mm. was quite painful. And I felt all this pressure to be happy and to celebrate this thing that I didn't even know, I wasn't even at peace with it. Plus I was in grief at the same time. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think it's definitely worth wrestling with. I think for me as someone who is married and who does not have children, um, but hopes to have children or to expand my family in some way in the future. Uh, and also at a church where there's only one mom at the church I currently go to. And so when you do the whole like stand up for like Mother's Day, if she's like not in the room, it's like kind (laughs) of awkward. You have to hope that our college students like parents are visiting for graduation and then it becomes a thing. Um, So. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, it's just. Or somebody somebody gets to make an uncomfortable, uh, awkward announcement where everybody's (laughs) kind of looking at them like, oh, you're, oh, okay, congratulations. That would be a Mother's Day for the books, for sure. <laughs> Way to make an announcement. Be awesome. I think for me, Mother's Day fall because Mother's Day is not a Christian holiday. There's nothing in, right. there's nothing like, oh, this is something that we've like made to be a part of like the church Orthodox calendar. And so to me, it kind of falls into the gray realm of like birthdays. Like birthdays aren't really in the Bible either. You just get old and die. Um, and you make note of that. <laughs> birthday cake isn't. Is, I'm not saying birthday cake isn't biblical. I'm just saying Noah's Noah's cake would have had a lot of candles, you know. So I think to me, something like Mother's Day kind of falls into the realm of celebrations are only as meaningful as like what the collective decides to make of right, that right, right. occasion. Mm-hmm. And so it's a little bit of a. It feels like a little bit of a, of like how your how your family, how your church, how your community wants to or does not want to celebrate Mother's Day. I have to say that at least the, the church that Keith grew up in, um, every month they would have a birthday Sunday. So whoever's birthday was in that month, oh my they God. would have, you know, have folks come forward. I also had that in Did my yeah. my home church growing up at like the yep. beginning or end of the month, everyone who was born in that month. And it was nice because we got like a ginormous cake and we all had cake for lunch. So that was fun. Yes. When did church become about us? This is my question. Like, it's the place we gather to lift up Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, whom we've dedicated our lives to. But all of a sudden, it's about us. Like my birthday, my mom, my dad, my, and now there's grandparents day and children's day. And, and it, all, all of a sudden it's about us. I and find we that want to also mention um, 
Memorial Day, Fourth of July, Veterans Day. Right. Right. We'll, we'll, we'll save that one. Yeah, we'll save that one for when we want to end the pod and go out with a bang. <laughs> oh, we'll just let's table that for now. Sweating. But I mean, seriously, I'm agreeing with you because I was thinking like this, to Kim's point, this is not a church holiday. This is a total Hallmark holiday that we've made up and we've turned it Although into- Although I like the radical history. The yeah. radical history of Mother's Day, that was pretty epic. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm sorry. No, but I mean, we've we've turned it into this thing, kind of like we've done with Christmas. And, <laughs> and I mean, it is worship. It is, it is worship of mothers and mother figures. And then what's so funny is then a month later, you get to Father's Day and everybody's like, nah, I don't know. We're going to have a cookout. I don't know. It's fine. <laughs> like, they're fine. Um, like, Mother's the Day. They're not fine. This, I mean, we just... It, it's it's in some churches it can be borderline idolatrous and i don't think that's i i don't think that that is influenced by the fact that i'm not a mom i'm a stepmom of two young adults um came into their lives when they were middle schoolers which the lord help us all it it worked out okay but it wasn't the mm-hmm. best timing i i have the world's best mom sorry for everybody else listening mine's the best um i don't have a lot of personal um Uh, I don't bring a lot of sadness to the day. I didn't want kids of my own. By the time I was in my thirties, I had decided that wasn't the path I wanted to go. So I don't have that grief. I totally respect and understand Mm -hmm. many women do, but that's not my story. So my point being, I don't think I'm bringing all of this like cynicism and anger toward it. I think I just don't see the point of it Um, because I can, can and should honor my mom other times throughout the year. And I can and should have a good time with my stepkids other times throughout the year. And honestly, I always saw Mother's Day as a great day to get yard work done because the kids were with their mom and all the restaurants were too full. And it was like, I'm just going to plant my flower beds. It's going to be great. That was like my personal routine for Mother's Day. So I, I don't know. I just don't, I don't know why we've taken a cultural holiday and turned it into something where it has to dictate everything that happens in our worship that morning. To the point where we're worshiping those women. Are there hymns that we sing on Mother's Day also? I think if you look in a hymn book, there are hymns written for that day. I have never been in a church that has sung one. I probably would have walked out. But I think that there are some. If you look at like those big, thick hymn books, I think they have some. (laughs) I wonder if they have any for Father's Day, though, or if the the whole hymn is just like, we're going to have a cookout. It's good (laughs) enough. (laughs) That's the unofficial jingle of Father's Day. Every other song we sing is about Father God. So well, maybe we should sing a hymn, Mothering God. Maybe we should sing oh. that song. Oh, well, the podcast Boy. has now been pulled. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Talk about disrupting. You Everyone's feeling I, spicy tonight. I mean, to the point of some of the things that we read, there. I think there is a place for, if we're going to celebrate mothering, then let's talk about the women who have spoken into our lives in a variety of forms. And let's challenge the women in our congregation to go forth and mother others. I would like to think that I have opportunities to nurture, encourage, support, mm-hmm. pray for, um, and show love to other, other people, uh, especially in my role at a university, maybe even some younger Absolutely. people. 
-hmm. in ways that are helpful and God honoring, even though I have no blood relationship with them. Mm -hmm. Right. So, and all women are capable of that as are all men. And, and that should be a central part of life as the church is that we are doing that. It's, it's a one another, right? I mean, absolutely. How, how wonderful would it be if on mother's day you had women stand up and talk about, um, a Christian woman who has shaped and formed them at some point along the way of their journey. That would be fantastic. fantastic. Yeah. And it might be their bio mom, but it yeah. doesn't, it doesn't have right. to be right. Yeah. I, I think uh, there, there was like a panel I listened to. It was a lot of pastors wives. And someone asked a question about like motherhood. And I think this, this single handedly changed my thought about parenthood in general. As she said that parenting or like motherhood is discipleship. Mm, that's yeah. it it is yeah. just you in this very special like particular way right that you get to disciple some very particular people in life yeah um uh, yeah. but i'm like oh if you were to take that definition to jen's point expand that isn't that what we want in church all the time isn't it worth celebrating that despite having not maybe not having like biological children that there is there is spiritual parenthood happening in your mm-hmm. community, people who have gone beyond blood into the blood of Christ and seen people as like family uh, and had a love and compassion to walk with and disciple and all that good stuff. I'm like, oh, then at that point, if we made it less quote unquote, like a unique thing, then, oh, then the rhythm of celebration of those things should feel more regular. I think that's mm-hmm. like what we're talking about. It's like we swung so far to highlight yeah. something, but I, I feel like celebration is something also the church is not good at in just a regular way, like testifying to be thankful or like things to celebrate in your community, uh, like in like regular intervals, not because something good happened. It's just because God did something good if we're willing to stop and look at it and make it known to people. So like, would we have the same feelings about Mother's Day, Father's Day if our communities were just good at celebrating? Yeah, yeah. Good. And I think, you know, I, I want to be sensitive to the women who desperately do want to be bio moms and can't. Mm. I That's not my journey, but it's the journey of other women I, I know and love. And so I don't, I don't want to pretend that the type of discipleship and mothering that we're talking about could fill that hole for a woman who really feels mm. a calling to to birth and or yeah. parent, you know, whether you give birth to them or adopt them or whatever. And it's not that there's anything wrong with, with feeling grief when that desire is unfulfilled. And I think we have to hold space for that too. To circle all the way back, um, I think it is worth wrestling with because I do think the happy clappy way that a lot of churches now do, it doesn't hold space for those women who are having a different experience or who are, you know, who had their third miscarriage or whatever it is. Right. Um, That's valid. I forget which of the articles it was we read, but they made the point that in the Bible, when you look at, there's a couple themes you see. Of course, you see the persistent theme of the the woman who can't have children and then suddenly mm-hmm. she can. That's a theme we see throughout scripture, which could be really hard if that's what your struggle is and you're, that's not happening for you. But we also see a lot of women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, who are just, it's just really rough. Yeah. And I think that maybe needs to be named too, because there's a lot of women who are, maybe they, they did get to have children, but it went sideways. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. there, that's, that's its own kind of yeah. pain too. The verse that comes to mind as, as, as we're talking about this is, um, rejoicing with those who rejoice 
mourning with those who mourn. Right. So is it a matter, is our Mother Day celebration at church, is it a matter of the imbalance of rejoicing with those who are rejoicing? So those that have uh, easily had children, that uh, have easily raised children uh, with, without much hardship, um, are we overly celebrating that and not acknowledging the, the, the trials and hardships uh, of mothering as well. Because as you said that, Jen, I was thinking the mothers that have uh, lost their children, either actually lost them to addiction or they their children have just slipped through their fingers and are steeped in addiction. And the the daily pain of that, watching your child destroy themselves. Um, just yesterday, uh, I was with some family out in Western PA, and I was reminded that my cousin lost her son, who was 19 years old, and it was his birthday yesterday. It happened in 2006, which has been a decade and a half, actually going on two decades. And she's still, when that day comes around, just steeped in grief. Um, so. Is it the imbalance? Because I think we have to hold both, right? We rejoice with those who rejoice and we mourn with those who mourn. And, and there is a, a recognition of the, and we're, we'll talk about this in the second part, the vocation of motherhood. And as you were getting to Kim, you know, we're, we're given this small subset of humanity to disciple. But what it cost us personally and the selflessness of that, that's, that's the vocational part. There's, it's a sacrificial giving of ourselves. Um, and we wanna honor that, that women are doing this, but maybe we haven't balanced with just the reality of motherhood. It is, it, it is more hard than it is easy. And we probably mourn more than we have rejoiced. I don't know, is, is that a factor in this? I think it is, and can I, push on something else too. I sometimes worry that, especially in the church, we restrict female discipleship to the role of grow up and be a mother or be a mother to mm -hmm. someone, even if you don't have children yourself, mm -hmm. but like mothering is our Christian identity. And I would like to challenge that. And I would like to see the church challenge that. Um, women are also many other things. And, and, yeah. and, and yeah. I think it's dangerous, not only to women, when we restrict our identity to wife and mother, I think it's actually damaging to men and it's damaging to children because I've seen so many Christian moms when their kids grow up, they don't know any other identity in their life. And so they don't know how to let their kids go. They don't know how to launch their kids. Um, and then they're just waiting for the day when they can be grandma. And then they smother their grandchildren and they don't know how to give them wings. Yeah. Um, it's, I think it's not healthy. And, and it's such a caregiving role that I think it's also not good for husbands and dads because then fathers don't know how to also learn to be nurturing mm -hmm. to their children. 
because mm -hmm. the moms kind of fill that role. And also the caregiving kind of rolls over and we're so caregiving toward our husbands, if we're married, that they don't know how to do for themselves. Like, I remember one time I was going away on a trip and somebody was like, oh, did you cook John all his meals and put them in the freezer for him? And I was like, no, he is a grown up man. He can make himself a sandwich or he can order takeout or my goodness, he can cook himself something. <laughs> so I think I worry sometimes when we put so much focus as Christians on women as mothers and we don't enlarge our imagination for what women are and can be so that we know how to contribute to the kingdom also in other ways. Yeah. I, that's yeah. my spiel. I think that's really good. And it's, it's giving voice in a more articulate way to a thought I was having that I couldn't and probably still can't completely articulate, but there's a sense in which the traditional observances of mother's day, you know, the flowers and the, you know, take them out to lunch and they don't have to lift a finger all day. And, you know, we're going to do, it's, it's kind of misogynistic. It's kind of chauvinistic. Like, it's like, we're going to, treat this woman like a princess because we dump on her the rest of the year. Right. Um, which may or may not be true in each individual family, but it's like this saved up, like, again, kind of veneration of women who we kind of expect to do all the mental and emotional and some of the physical labor mm -hmm. the rest of the year. while everybody else in the family gets off the hook, but we're going to take her out to a buffet. Like there's, I don't know, there's a sense. Of, and again, that's, you know, this a little is patronizing. Yeah, it kind yeah. of is. And I think sometimes it's meant well. And certainly, again, there's nothing wrong with taking your mom out to lunch. But I just think it's kind of like this pat on the head almost for like, yeah. you do everything all year. So we're going to get you a corsage. Like, why not? I, <laughs> to which I would want to say, why don't you do everything for the next six months and then we'll call it even. <laughs> right. <laughs> My son would completely play into exactly what you're saying, Jen, because <laughs> he would not give me, just because it is Mother's Day, he would intentionally not say Happy Mother's Day to me via text because that's all I would ever get from him. There would be no extra, there's ex nothing, nothing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> My son's with you on that. It's like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> uh, let me read this quote. Cause I, go ahead. You want to say something, Kim? No, it was just like a quick, like going back to yeah. like, just expanding upon Chris Ann's point about like, oh, just yeah. this tie of the desire. I think for someone like who is not, I have never experienced motherhood biologically for my own self. It was really hard to hear that when you conflate femininity and motherhood mm -hmm. or the desire to motherhood and so by not wanting children or by not want not being sure about that it somehow made me feel like I was not in my in the way that God made me to be a woman was not right or complete mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. deficient in some way or that's something I had yeah. to work on like it was a, a skill project or something um and I'm like oh I'm like even for me I'm like that's something where I'm like oh I'm gonna have to that's a Mm. problem I'm gonna have to wrestle with if and when that time comes in my life but it hits deep it's like more of an it, it goes to an identity thing when we yeah. push okay. into it in that way and then we but when we celebrate it we're like oh do I want this do I not want this uncertain because I've gotten so many other messages about what this means for me personally yeah 
Yeah. Let me read this quote because I think I think it demonstrates the tension in that women can be called to more than motherhood. Uh, now, I think it's worthy pointing out that certainly in the Catholic tradition, there are categories of vocation in a theological sense. Uh, there, of course, there's the priesthood vocation. There's the uh, vocation of being a sister, the religious vocation, so sisters and brothers, and that um, marriage vocation, which ultimately is parenting, so the vocation of motherhood. Um, and, and, you know, Catholicism isn't the only tradition that would define those categories of vocation. I think if you think historically, it's helpful because, and this is what we do as Protestants, if you do not have a vocation of pastoring or a vocation of ministry in, in some way, if you're just a mom and dad, you're just a mom and dad. We don't necessarily put into the category of this, this calling, this vocation that God is calling you to, to be a parent, a, a mother or father. Um, so I, I think there's value in the vocation uh, of of motherhood and fatherhood or parenting. Anyway, let me read this because I, I think it describes this tension that you're all talking about. So this is written by Kate Harris. She writes for the Washington Institute for Faith, Vocation and, and Culture, uh, the blog that they have there. And it's called Motherhood is Vocation. Uh, it's a longer quote, so bear with me. She says, defining motherhood as a meaningful part of God's work gives it honor. Though like any one side of a coin, it also it can also carry with it the implication that bearing and raising children is the only true and right way to do God's work. The common impression within the church community that all, quote, good women will bear many children and proceed to raise them with a structure and intentionality that rivals Martha Stewart on speed leads some to question their calling and perhaps even their faithfulness. Likewise, defining motherhood solely in terms of its market value can affirm the real contributions stay-at-home mothering offers families and society. Yet it can also fuel comparisons that reinforce the sense that moms aren't doing, quote, real work or work that is as important as doctors or lawyers or accountants, etc. I thought that was a very nicely balanced perspective. And, and she writes early in that article uh, that she also struggled with the idea of her only vocation being motherhood when she i think she might have a phd and she's she's struggling with you know the investment that she made in her education in her career and then when she had children the tension that she found in well, what am i am i just mm -hmm. a mother and she, she would argue that we can have dual vocations right mm -hmm. and uh and there are different seasons for those mm -hmm. any thoughts on that uh particularly that the tension that she's bringing out about it doesn't have to be either or that it certainly can be both and we can honor that vocation of parenting of motherhood of fatherhood uh, while we also honor the the other giftedness that we've been given whether it's through education or a career or whatever it is i mean men just generally have that expectation right when they yes Yes. When they have children, they absolutely expect to be father, husband, and whatever job. Mm -hmm. True. Good point.
you know, I think there's, there's different, I hate the Christian word seasons, right? But it's, it's true. Like there's different seasons. There's different times when we have different things. And then there's different stages in your career. There's, there's going to graduate school and getting the PhD. And then there's using the PhD. There's Mm -hmm. what is your, what is your calling or your sense of vocation in terms of your faith community and how you're going to contribute there? I wonder if sometimes motherhood feels like it's just an expectation of, because when it gets absorbed into identity, then the value of the work gets, you were like, oh, that's just your life now. And you would have to accept that cost to it um, rather than kind of giving it the the weight uh, of the efforts and the energy, the learning curve, I'm sure it takes to be a mom, to be a parent. Uh, so I think it's, I think I'm like maybe splitting hairs about like, what does vocation mean? And like, do we even mm-hmm. acknowledge it to that degree? I like how Jen's like, two isn't enough. Like, give me all, let me have all the vocations that I want. Yes. But I think I, I like that idea because it plays into this greater idea of like, it's not just these are the two identities you get and you're stuck with. I think um, to use the word that Jen doesn't like, I'm like, oh, let there be other vocations in other seasons or mm-hmm. like, let, let you know, or let them, let the intensity of them fade in and out. Like, isn't that a much more complex way of talking about it? Or even just watching my own mom have to, the way that she interacts with her mother who is aging versus yeah. her, now she has kids who are, who are, she's are out of the house and she's a grandma now. Mm-hmm. And like, that's a complex um, role to fill. It's like, what does it be? Now, mother and daughter in in a different way. But sometimes being a daughter can feel like being a mom when you're caring for your mom in such a way. And so I think uh, maybe not Mm. where Jen was going, but there is a like a complexity of one understanding what it entails, but like letting women live lives and age and be faithful to whatever you have to be faithful to in this time with all the different intensities. Yeah. I'm going to read another quote specifically about uh, motherhood as vocation. And it starts to build some contours around uh, vocation. We, and we've talked about vocation before. And, it, and I think if we put it in a nutshell, it was partner with God in God's work in the world. And you know, we mm-hmm. use some of Niebuhr's category along with James Fowler, his idea of vocation. Um, so here's the quote, and I want you to think along with me as we're nuancing this idea of vocation as parenting or vocation as motherhood versus uh, a career field or something else. Motherhood is a vocation. It is the way that mothers attain sanctity and holiness in the Christian life. It is the way in which mothers are united with Christ through the sacrifices they make every day for their families. Motherhood is a share in Christ's way of the cross that leads to resurrection and new life. This is the way in which mothers attain sanctity. One other quote, God is the divine sculptor. Through my vocation, he chiseled away at my bad habits, my lack of virtue and revealed the beauty of a better woman. That quote is given in the context of vocation as motherhood. So if I can, speak into that a little bit uh, and see if we're hearing this the same way. What I do not want you to hear me saying is that it is only through motherhood, vocation of motherhood, that we are sanctified. 
but it's about the context that we've been given to do something that requires us to be selfless and to sacrifice that produces the sanctity or the process of sanctification, okay? Which I think will help us then nuance, well, what do we mean uh, by these vocations? First, as if it is through motherhood, but if it's not, how is God doing that? So let me speak as a biological mother, two boys. As a very early mom, days, weeks old with a newborn, even in the first couple of months. And I was an, also an older mom. We had our first son when we were both 29. I completely underestimated the amount of attention <laughs> that a newborn needs. Because in my mind, I would not be working full-time. I wouldn't even be working part-time, certainly early on. And I would have all this free time. So I had already scheduled all these things I were gonna do while I was at home with this newborn. I completely grossly misunderrepresented uh, the task at hand. And I remember in those most difficult moments of uh, early mothering that this is requiring a lot of my time and energy and emotions that I wasn't ready to give up or to sacrifice. It probably took a good year for me to kind of get settled in, and you know, it's also the first year, so th those are the difficult years to really get over. And, 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 you know, I think a lot of it is I'm still very selfish with my time, very selfish, like do not define or dictate how I'm going to spend my time. Just don't do it <laughs> and we'll all be at peace. As I look back on that, that has been very much the uh, sanctifying fire for me, the, the giving away of myself to these little people. That is what it cost me. Uh, raising teenagers was a different kind of cost. <laughs> if I only had the first one, I would not understand this at all. It's only through the second one that I deeply understand the cost of motherhood. I recall sitting in a uh, counseling session we were doing some parenting counseling sort of thing. And the Christian counselor, she asked, you know, you might think sometime why God gave you this child. <laughs> and I thought at the time, I thought it's because I need to learn something. And the reality was, this is the truth. Because this soul, this child needed this person with this giftedness, this determination, the level of tenacity that, that, that outmeasures his level of tenacity because that's what he needs to become the person that God wants him to become. So for me, that idea of vocation as motherhood is the crucible that has shaped me and formed me. I would love for you all to speak into that. I also want to think about for those that are not yet mothers, maybe they long to be mothers or those that will never be mothers, not even in a stepmother adopting, fostering sense. Let's talk about location then for, for those, because God doesn't leave any of us out for vocation. So anyway, your thoughts on that. Yeah, I will confess that I was not responding well as you were reading those two quotes, because for me, it's one of many. Like the, it was such a pinpointed language that this is the way you are sanctified. And I'm like, 
No, it's one of many ways that I'm sanctified. Mm -hmm. I'm also sanctified in marriage. Good Lord, are we sanctified in marriage? It's a constant two people bumping up against each other and you have to find a way to let go, honor the other um, sacrifice. And so for me, I would say, and, and it is, and motherhood is a very unique crucible, but I would say it's one of many. It's so I think the idea here is that when you are a mother, when you are a mother, receive it as this is your path. This is your journey of sanctification along with marriage, right? Uh, ho- yeah. Hopefully there's marriage in there as well. Uh, yeah, and, I just and really want to argue with the language. I want to yeah. say this is another path. This is another path of sanctification. You have always been on a path of sanctification. This is another path. I, I just, yeah, I just want to quibble with the language. I don't know. It's just so, yeah. it's so, this is it. Motherhood is it. And I just want to be like, no, motherhood is one. It's one. I will give you marriage. Uh, but it is the helplessness and the, the dependence upon which little people are asking of us that we yes. are giving blocks out of our out of our being to sustain them our our husbands or our spouses do not ask that that of us so the level of sacrifice i think is it's certainly in marriage it's unique i agree yes uh, yes the level yeah. of sacrifice is unique yes for sure well the first year that matt and i were married so our youngest would have been 12 and the oldest was 14. Mm. Um, I wrote a blog post about self. I called it selfishness detox, that that year was a detox mm. of my own personal selfishness that I had brought into the situation. Cause I had lived alone until I was 36. I had pretty much done what I wanted. And suddenly um, I was scheduling my day around other people. I was cooking meals. I didn't particularly like at times I didn't feel like eating them. <laughs> Um, I was going to events I had no interest in, um, (laughs) track meets when it's 38 degrees outside, you know, back to school nights, (laughs) back to school nights, which should just have an open bar just (laughs) built in. Um, and then getting to do all of it with, um, a not so friendly bio parent many times. And so I think it was a, it was definitely a way of shaping me to be more like Jesus, hopefully when I wasn't raging against it, it was definitely a means of the Holy Spirit in my life to sanctify me and to help me grow up. I'm also wondering if I had not met Matt, what would my, Mm. what would be my primary form of sanctification? Would it have been in the singleness and the having to grow in greater dependence on God because I didn't have somebody Mm. human to lean on Mm -hmm. and to yourself out on behalf of others, because you're not being called to this specific vocation. Do you miss out on the Holy Spirit's work? If you, I I don't, to your point, no one's left out. There's time and loss work on us all. You know, it is, it is unique. And even though I experienced it in a different way as a step parent, it is unique. Um, So what do we say to those who by Mm -hmm. choice or by circumstance don't have that? in their lives. No one is left out, right? That desires uh, transformation, desires to be more like Jesus. I think of religious sisters that live in community with one another, as well as uh, religious brothers, you know, so religious communities, one of the biggest challenges is 
living in community with one another that closely for those in the marriage vocation is just one other adult. <laughs> now you have 15 other adults that you're sharing living space with. Religious sisters and brothers can have a vocational calling that's in the world. So they are, they are teachers, they are nurses, and they're giving themselves over to, to those students or those relationships. I think that's even a better way to say it. Um, and I think they carry a, a different burden than, than those of us that are maybe teaching as a career. That's one example. I think there are probably much better examples. Kim, you have thoughts? You're at the early stages of these things. Yeah, I have more questions than, than answers. As you're sharing about, I think from all of your perspectives, it's clear to see that at some point, either by choice or force or something, that you have come to the recognition that sanctification does happen. Uh, I, I wonder, like, did you know that was happening or that was going to happen as you had entered into parenthood? Or was it like a come to Jesus moment where you had no choice but to either accept sanctification or die? Because um, to me, it sounds like that's great. And it's this abstract, of, oh, God will work in things. But this is such a foreign idea of that level of selflessness or that level of dedication. So was there anything that you knew about or anyone taught you to prepare for that moment? Or was it a, you just got to fly by the seat of your pants and like meet Jesus face to face in those times oh. of parenthood? Okay, let me tell you, there were several times where I was done. I, I said, I am, I am done here. I am done. I have given absolutely everything I could possibly give to this child in this moment at this time. And I am handing him over to Jesus. And then the next day after I sleep on it and, you know, Jesus brings this verse to me that, uh, do not grow weary in doing good. And I say that to Keith and he's like, oh, here we are. Here we go. We're going to just keep going. No, I, in the moment you no, I, I don't, but I, I think there's also a theological problem here because as Protestants, have you, have you ever been told that your sanctification is in the vocation of parenting? No one ever told me that. I, I didn't, I didn't realize that. I mean, we all say God gave us these children. I'm so blessed. <laughs> well, I'm in the Protestant church, them. it's all about avoiding struggle. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, in it's about the Osteen everything. I, I'm on a personal mission to make Osteen a verb, by the way. Um, I've been working on it for a couple of years. It hasn't caught on yet, but this could be the moment. Um, but we Osteen everything. Like Everything's it. supposed to be about your best life now. You're not. And so we do sermon series with three, three points about good parenting. I mean, you're not supposed to sign up for 20 years of struggle. Um, no, I remember in the first year, I posted something on Facebook about, I spend most of my life doing stuff I don't want to do. Mm -hmm. Again, it was part of this just detox of, of selfishness. And I remember, I don't know who it was, but I remember somebody posted, welcome to motherhood. And I thought, yeah, except that I'm not the mother. I don't get to make most of the decisions. I just have to live mm -hmm. the consequences. I have all the responsibility without the authority. I'm not the mother. Uh, yeah. I just get to pay for everything and smile and stand off to the side during um, pictures. So like I, I had to deal with like just the resentfulness, which I think probably like you, Jane, you talked about it, like that first year of like, oh gosh, my life is not my own now. I just had, I had a different 
flavor of it. Right. Yeah. But like no one told me and, and I was too stupid to seek out mentors who were step-parents, but nobody told me. Right. And I remember thinking that first Christmas and I said to Matt, I had no idea how hard my mom worked to make Christmas nice for us. I had no idea. She didn't complain. She just did it. And I was like, Oh no, I'm not, (laughs) this is, this is insane. Right. I don't know. I, I just don't, I don't, I think we do women a disservice, like tell them about all the great parts, but it also like, yeah, it's hard. And I think that there's another, just to even go back to your question, Kim, is there another human being on earth that I love so deeply? Flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone. Now I know I say there's a biological um, mother, but I think to some sense, Jen, you, you're not going to say flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone, but the level of love for those human beings, and maybe it's part of being the other half a mat, um, it, 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 I mean, okay, thank goodness Jesus spoke and says, do not give up on doing good, but you get back and you do it again with a couple blocks missing from your heart or soul, you get up and you do it again. And that's my experience, which, okay, a handful, certainly, but think of those mothers with children steeped in addiction or sexual promiscuity or whatever it is, whatever it is, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah, because I, I want, it, it's only fair to, to close this by saying, or to close my little rant by saying, I have two lovely young people as my stepkids and we have a great relationship and mm-hmm. they get at least as much, if not more credit for that as I do. So I have nothing to complain about, but, yeah. and, and I'm grateful for them, but that doesn't mean that there weren't days where I got up at six 30 and went to bed at midnight and didn't do anything I wanted the whole day. Darn it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. and didn't get a card on mother's day because i'm not the mom oh. you didn't even get a stepmom card no that's they just weren't that they just weren't there that's yeah. fine that's yeah fine. yes yeah yeah true Christian, what about you you've been silent she's still not happy about that guy <laughs> saying he'll <laughs> talk to him I don't want to fight a different battle today. She does. <laughs> um, Down with all men and young boys. Yeah. She's taking I mean, these... What was the original, Kim, your original question was, oh, was there a come to Jesus moment where you realized the level of sanctification was happening? Yeah, um, yeah. like, can you yeah. prepare for that at all? So, so my, and maybe this is because I'm more in Mennonite circles than I am traditional white evangelical circles, but I, I was aware, I was pretty aware of the sacrifice I was about to make. And I think that's, um, and, and that was part of my own journey because I never, I was never that little girl who was like, I just want to be a mom. I was the little girl who was, I want to be a preacher like my dad and be a mom too. Like, I mean, mom was in there somewhere, but it was never like top of my list of things I wanted to do. So I, I was pretty aware of 
when I got pregnant, I was very excited. I was very excited um, for the baby to come, but I knew, Mm. I kind of knew what I was getting into. Now, as your children develop their personality and stuff, I was not prepared for the way their developing personalities would begin to push on all of my wounded buttons Mm -hmm. and like bring out my dark side and my shadow side and how they would know exactly what to say to hurt me as they got a little bit older, if they were feeling like they wanted to hurt me in some way. Um, Certainly with my oldest being, she and I have very similar temperaments and boy, could we go at it. Um, and I, there were times I was deeply ashamed of how we would go after each other and how, how Mm. I would speak to her in moments of anger and pain. Um, so that I was probably not as prepared for, Mm. um, but I, I knew motherhood would be hard and I knew it would be a sacrifice and I knew, and I knew it would be part of how I would grow in holiness. Yeah. Um, I knew that about marriage too. And I also knew that John was the right person for me because I would be better. I would be become more like Jesus with him, walking the road with him than without him. For me, there were expected and unexpected ways of sanctification. (laughs) So is, is the way I'm still hung up on, on this idea of how people who don't have this life experience, you know, the new Testament is very clear that the Holy spirit works in the life of every believer. So is part of, and now I'm going to bring all the way back. You're going to be amazed at the way I'm bringing it all full circle. I'm here. excited. You ready? Yes. Okay. We love is one of the ways that the church can better observe mother's day and father's day for that matter is one of the ways we can do this better by expanding our definition of family and inviting people into relationships where they <laughs> basically is part of our, our responsibility as church to drive each other nuts so that more people get the responsibility to, um, grow in personal holiness by having to put up with us right like <laughs> yeah like i mean if we're really um gonna be a faith community then we you know that the verse about god sets the the lonely in families like are we to yeah. mm-hmm. be more family to each other with all of the good and the messy that that implies and that is how we are all sanctified is regardless of whether or not we have given Preach. birth to, to someone right yes um i love it I mean, that's the call to the church on these Hallmark holidays is to be the aunt, be the, I was aunt Jen to my friend's little kids, you know, and it wasn't, I didn't have to sacrifice for them the way their parents did. I'm not equating the two, but there is intentional relationships you can develop. I just sacrifice a little bit, you know, I had to give some time and energy to these children. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, is, are there ways that we can have adopted grandparents and adopted aunts and uncles and adopted family that helps all of us grow up a little bit more. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know, I was just Mm -hmm. thinking while we're celebrating parenting, whether it's mother's or father's day, uh, we acknowledge the challenges and we commit to just be praying for those moms or babysitting for those moms or we're sitting in Sunday service and what we do typically is we pull the kids out of and away from the adults. So we can just sit and soak, which is not sanctifying at all, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> keep those kids with you. And we're all being, you know, there's sanctification going on in all of us <laughs> because we are learning to tolerate and be patient. Shut up, shut your kid up. 
Yeah. As they're running across the view. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think if we not acknowledge the, the hardness of that calling, uh, and I, I think what you're suggesting, Jen, is that we're learning to enlarge our understanding of kinship and, and family. And so when there's a mom struggling, uh, when she just needs a break, take her kids for the afternoon. And let's be honest, okay, my, you know, I love my time. And so for me to take someone's kids from like 12 to dinner time, <laughs> exactly. I'm like, I don't want to watch your kids. But I, but there is something giving and selfless in that as well. True. Yeah. I think we enlarge our notions and understanding of what it means to be a community together, a, a sacred family together. Well, and I think of my, my mom who now is suffering from Alzheimer's and my dad, who is her primary caregiver. Mm -hmm. And he has people who have stepped up and said, every Friday morning, I'm there. You go do something awesome. for yourself. So there's many, many ways within the body of Christ that we can sacrifice a portion of our own lives for the, the good of others. It's been beautiful to watch how yeah. um, part of it is because again, my parents, sorry, everybody, but they're the best people on earth. So they've <laughs> cultivated these relationships for 70 years and now people are stepping up to yeah. help and it's beautiful. Yeah. But, but, you know, I was thinking earlier, we were talking about the different ways you can pour out yourself for others. And there's many people who have their caregivers for an adult child who can't live alone yes. or a spouse who can't live alone. Or like, I think the convicting part for me, especially now, cause now I've come full circle. We're empty nesters. Like I have more free time again. Um, yeah. How do I put myself in those intentionally put myself in situations where I have to not be selfish. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What I like about this idea of expanding family is one, that's what we should be doing anyways. It's, it's, <laughs> it's there. This is what we hope for. That's why we're like, I feel like coming to a consensus on it. Cause like, oh, that rings true to what church has been, should always mm. be. If anything, we're peeling back the unnecessary things to get to the heart of it. And cause relationships, that's the day in day out, no Hallmark card makes mm -hmm. up for relationship yeah. for the being for each other and the commitment to one another when you can choose not to right because you can say that you can you can follow jesus but you you don't want to be part of church life whatever that means for whatever reason yeah. right but this is the intentionally of stepping in of like this is the family that i was given i choose to then mm -hmm. make you my family and by making you my family uh you know like jane was saying like those like blocks that come out of you it's like, you're not my bio kid, but you are my family and I will give you yeah. myself. And to me, I think so that good. paints such a fuller, deeper picture that applies to everybody, man, woman, child, whatever your marital status, uh, wherever you are, that is the fullest mm. picture of participation and the fullest picture of family together. Because uh, mm. mm -hmm. I I am probably the, like, the next person in it's not a pregnancy announcement. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here, breaking news. <laughs> we can ignore that. I was going to say. Oh, no, we're because... on to it now. <laughs> but uh, the time will come. The time okay. will come. Okay. We'll hear it first. But I was, th I was thinking about it because I, like I said, there's literally one mom at my church. Everyone at my church is 35 and under. <laughs> Most of them are single. 
uh, not all of them want to be single, but most of them are. And to me, I'm like, oh, what would it look like for me where I am married, not yet kids, but to disciple a community with this mm. idea of family in mind? What would that do to an upcoming generation of people who are not yet parents, but who are still forming and shaping their idea of parenthood while still grappling, maybe for the first time, with their own wounds and traumas mm. from their own families, but giving them this kind of picture to look forward to? I wonder what that would do to younger generations, you know, or this mm. is this the time where it's no longer Mother's Day. Like, this is just our church. This is just family. Thanks a bunch for being a part of our listening community. You can show us some love by hitting the subscribe button wherever you listen to our podcast. You can learn more about us at our website at girlstalkinchurch.com. And you can also engage the She Team and other listeners by joining our Shaklesiology podcast community Facebook page. See you there. Oh.